camping already. It's brilliant, brilliant. Thank you, band. You guys can take your seats. I'm here to formulate an introduction uh, to three absolutely outstanding-looking young men. Um, uh, did you guys synchronise your shirts? Because I missed the memo, and I am glad I missed the memo. Um, and that's the truth. So... Um, but they're awesome, uh, very, very proud of them all. Uh, so we are going to start with uh, our youth director, uh, Dave, and uh, what I've asked them to do is to share about a highlight, uh, a challenge, and a scripture that they felt the Lord has spoken to them about. So they're going to be nervous. Let's be with them as they're up here, and let's welcome Dave as he comes. Gee, he looks like a preacher, doesn't he? My goodness. I'm just going to be honest to begin with, um, I actually, this isn't coordinated, I just like this shirt. So the boys coordinated, they brought them overseas, but um, I was given this shirt and I just really like it. So everybody, please stop talking about it. Um, no, um, thank you this morning, church, for letting us share our experiences in Vanuatu with you. Um, it's a very impacting time. Whenever you go anywhere, um, uh, anywhere that's like Vanuatu, you experience um, the things that we experience or whatever you see, um, it's pretty much impossible to walk away and not be impacted or not feel differently or not um, look at things in a different light. And um, one of the most incredible things in Vanuatu for me was um, just the fact that the people there have so much love to give. There's, it doesn't matter what circumstance that they're in or the situation that they live in, there's so much love that they have to give from when we rocked up, we're at the airport, they give us these traditional like handmade necklaces and then they they would take us around and show us where to go tell us where to not exchange our money because they rip us off um and they fed us after church and they um they just loved on us and it blows you away and the thing that is more incredible for me um probably due to just my position here is that the kids carry that same love and despite their circumstances despite how much that they might lack or despite uh what the way that they live or what the society around them tells them they love you so much and they love you so much more than you probably deserve you you will rock up and they will have seen you for 30 seconds and you'll have little kids grabbing your hand and just trying to lead you away lead you to go play soccer or, or go do something with them and it's incredible and uh my highlight that was the first day actually on the first day we went to um the school the school of hope um, it's in the Black Sands community, and if that was a place in Australia, we would call it a low socioeconomic area. That's what we would call it. And um, it's a hard area to live, and it's a community that needs God. And um, we went there, and we were at the school, and we're hanging out with these kids, and we played soccer for way too long. I found out that soccer is not my sport. Um, and we, uh, we were in their classrooms, we were hanging out with them, we were um, meeting their teachers, um, singing the same four songs at least seven times. Um, and we were just hanging out with them, having a great time. And um, as the school day finished, um, I had this moment where um, we were walking to the beach and it was our whole group and we were with a bunch of the kids and the kids are just amazing. They were just 
follow you and come and grab your hand. I had this funny moment where um, the kids will just run up to you and they'll just grab your hand and you pretty much don't have to bother looking because you know it's going to be some little kid. So you look down, there's kids, you're always holding hands. And I started walking along this path and this kid let go of my hand and then this other kid came and grabbed my hand, except after 30 seconds I realised this kid had a really big hand and it was actually just one of the guys from our group who just thought it would be funny. So he just came up and just grabbed my hand and we were just walking together for like a good 30 seconds. It was pretty funny when I realised who it was. Um, but we're walking through this, um, this overgrown kind of bush area and um, this small path to get to the beach at the end of the day. And it was our whole group and a bunch of kids and I was holding hands with, not the big guy, I was holding hands with these two kids, these two boys, and we were walking along and um, after a while, they let go of my hands. They walked a little bit ahead of me and they started just mucking around. They started pushing each other. Um, if you want to know how, if you want to know how they, if they like you or not, they'll slap you. So the boys were just slapping each other and one kid threw a shoe at the other one and they were just mucking around, pushing each other. And then after a while, they stopped and they kept walking. And I, and I got to see this moment happen afterwards where um, they were just walking together and one of the boys puts his... Um, arm around the other one and then vice versa and um, I had my phone out at the time and I was taking photos of everything that was around us and um, it wasn't until later that night that I got back to the room and I was looking through the photos that I'd taken for the day and um, I stumbled across this photo that I brought to share with you um, of these two boys which wrecks me every time I see it and um, these two nine and nine and ten year old boys who just best friends, having the best time. And those, that smile and those moments are the moments that you'll never forget if you go to a country or do a missions trip. And um, I was in my room that night. I was staring at that photo, um, crying. Uh, the spirit of Pastor Charles came over me and I just wept. Um, and in that moment... <laughs> no, I'm a cry too, it's true. Um, and I couldn't explain how somebody could be filled with such love despite the fact that really the only thing that those two boys had was the clothes that they were wearing. And I couldn't, it just messed with me. I couldn't deal with how they could love each other so much and love us and, and give so much to us. And I couldn't articulate it while I was in my room that night, just weeping. Um, but luckily I didn't have to because I started to read the word. And it's funny how every time we don't know the right thing to say, God shows up and says it for us. And one John... Chapter 4, verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And uh, even though we were departing, uh, God will never leave or forsake that nation. He loves the kids there. He loves those people and he loves those two boys with their arms around each other um, who have nothing. And uh, even, I would love to encourage you this morning, if you haven't been on a missions trip, or if you haven't been somewhere like that, please go and have those moments for yourself because they're moments that will change your life and moments that will make you realise that God is so much bigger than the issues that I think that I have. When you go to a place like that and you... I walked away on the first... I think I said to one of the pastors, I said, and I thought my life gets hard. And you look at what these people have to go through and it's incredible. And God is doing an amazing thing in Vanuatu. But um, that's it for me. And, and just before I intro these two boys, um, church, these two boys, watch this space because there's something different about them. There's something on their lives. 
Um, they're not just wearing those shirts because they like them. They're wearing those shirts because the place in Vanuatu did something to them. And I saw these boys lead and I saw them um, hanging out with kids. Reese never didn't walk around with at least 30 kids following him. Like he, at the school, I think, I looked over and he, was, he didn't have his feet on the ground. He was just getting dragged by like a group of kids. And, um, and uh, Ty was incredible too. Ty actually had an injury and came along still to the trip and hobbled his way through uh, Vanuatu, which we discovered uh, the roads aren't amazing there, are they, Ty? So um, it was good fun. But I would like to introduce firstly, uh, Mr. Reese Travell, one of the junior leaders here at Awaken Youth. He's gonna come share. Thank you, Dave. Now, I do just want to say I printed my notes off, unlike the other boys. <laughs> so. so it's been about three weeks since we returned from running History Makers Conference Vanuatu, and I have to say it's been an experience that I'm not likely to forget. Along with this beautiful shirt, I was able to bring home some incredible memories and unique stories. So one of the most quoted Bible verses during the trip was 2 Timothy 1 verses 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. This verse was mainly quoted on the, Sunday, on, the, sorry, on the Saturday of conference as Pastor Charles and Mason were preparing us for the final night. Well, but while the context was influenced by what we'd been facing as a group, the verse held a personal meaning for me. So we spent the entire day of Saturday in prayer and fasting, which was quite difficult for me being at my first time in a foreign country. The responsibility was weighing down hard on me that this was our final chance to have a lasting effect on these children's lives. This coupled with the fact that I was one of the youngest members on the trip was causing a great deal of unease for me. But through trusting the Lord and stepping out in faith when I had the opportunity to, I was able to make it through the day. The final session came along and I was still feeling quite discouraged and nervous. But when Pastor Mason was speaking out and declaring the words, for God has not given us a spirit of fear over the congregation, I was able to fully step into the moment and properly experience God moving through the nation in a way I've never seen before. That was a challenge I faced. But the thing I enjoyed most about the trip was being able to build up relationship with the people on the trip that we met and some of the people that we met over there. The very first day, just like Dave said, we spent some time with the children and teachers of the Black Sands Victory Community School of Hope. Seeing the joy in the faces of the children and the passion in the eyes of the teachers made me feel instantly welcomed into the community. The other members of the trip and myself were able to help out by running games for the children and helping out in the classrooms. Not only did this make us popular within the classrooms, but caused so many friendships to be built with people I'd never even properly spoken to before. Throughout the week, I was able to strengthen these relationships by interacting with everyone in separate ways. I was placed on running the pre-show for the conference with one of the female leaders. I was regularly being mentored by people like Charles and Mason. I had the privilege to spend a full hour sitting on top of a boat talking about faith with a youth pastor of Uni Hill East. I was even able to spend some time dancing with Pastor Zebedee of of the church in Vanuatu in the final night of conference. And I can tell you, no one dances like that man. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was an experience. <laughs> All of these things created a group of people that I cannot wait to see again when the next History Makers rolls around in September. So that's been enough from me. I'll hand back to Dave and he'll introduce my good friend Ty. Yeah, give it up. And why don't you keep the applause going for our next Member Ty is coming to share, hobble his way on. <laughs> Jordan, stop laughing, please. 
So Vanuatu, what a trip it was. Um, it was so tiring, enjoyable and rewarding at the same time. You know, I was on crutches the whole time. I wasn't even sure if I was able to go on this trip until around a week before it. But I can say that even though that I was on crutches and even though that I had to hobble myself down the street and I was so tired at the end of the day, my arms were hurting, my palms were hurting, everything was just, I was just so tired because of the crutches and I, and I couldn't do what I could normally do. You know, my skills of setting up for youth that I'm used to doing, I couldn't do that at conference, couldn't set up chairs, couldn't lift things. I couldn't do simple things that normally I could do. But I can stand here saying that even though I was on crutches and I had my leg, it wouldn't have changed, it didn't, it didn't change my experience. I wouldn't have enjoyed it any, any more if I wasn't on crutches. And I think, because the main thing that we're there for was we're doing God's work. We're there for God. We're there to do God's work. And just because my situation was not ideal, ideal, it didn't affect me from stepping out, being bold, and, and doing what God sent me there to do. A major highlight for me was there was a kid called Jimmy and he had a job to do for Charles <laughs> for Charles on second night of conference. He had a song on his phone and Charles was going to get him to play that song. And he was sitting next to me front row during, this, uh, during Charles's sermon and Charles never got to him. I felt really, really bad because he was away from his friends and he was stuck with me the whole time and he was a shy dude and he didn't speak much English and I couldn't really talk to him. I was trying my best, but I couldn't really. And he just, I just really felt bad. So I noticed that his, his thongs were a little bit too small for him and he had cuts on his feet and it just really, something, it just grabbed my attention. So... And I just felt that I had, to, I had to buy him some new shoes, had to buy him some new thongs. So the next day I was like, Reese, we've got to buy him some, some thongs. Got to buy some. We ended up buying him some slides and like, we got it. So we went to the store when we bought these shirts as well and we bought him some slides and, um, and giving them to him the next day was just, just such a great, great privilege and honour. And he was a shy dude and he didn't, he didn't smile much. Like he had, he had a thing that we called a Jimmy smile. It was like a, like a small smile, but you knew it meant a lot to him. Like it was a, it was a good Jimmy smile. <laughs> and um, Reese told me that he walked back to his friends after I gave him to him, and he had, he had a really big smile, and he said thank you, and it just really, really, really uh, met, meant a lot for me. Hebrews thirteen sixteen says. Do not neglect a good chance to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Charles knows this, but I was on a budget during Vanuatu. I was trying to survive on $165 Australian. And food is like around the same price as Australia as well. So for me to... to it wasn't in the budget. 
wasn't in the budget that, I, that I'd planned out because you'd plan out your days of how much I would spend. And this was out of the budget. <laughs> um, but yeah, so <laughs> during, the, during the time, it was like that was my sacrifice that, that I would have to think about. I would have to go away without something for the day because of it. Overall, Vanuatu as a country really resonated with me. It wasn't, I've been to other countries before, but I came back just a different, different view on things. And it kind of grabbed my attention, to be honest. And I came back, I remember talking to Reese in our room and I was like, I could see myself being here for six months. I could see myself being here for a year. And I've never, you know, when you go to a country and you're like, could I live here? You know? But this was probably the first country where I said I probably could. And it was great. I'd never considered missions before, overseas missions for me in the future. But after the trip, it kind of, I think it, it might be for me. I'm not sure, but um, I'm really excited to see what God's going to do in the future with me. And yeah, thanks for listening. You keep letting God work that out in your life, my man. Um, you know that tire's supposed to be no weight bear. So well done, buddy. It cracks me up, I just did that. But anyway, um, the whole trip was hilarious. There's not a lot of occupational health and safety in a third world country. Uh, so there was a lot of, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, like the whole trip for me was phenomenal. Come on, let's be real. You know how a few of the kids had, a, had a, quite a small budget? I said I'd do it with them because I wasn't planning to eat anything anyway. Um, and the whole thing was full of, just incredible mixed emotions like the, the, from the fact that they were preparing meals. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't want to eat their food. You know, because literally it's, um, they have chickens that are walking around. Those chickens are their food. You can't steal someone else's chicken because if you do, you have to replace it with two. I'm like, oh, it's like the Bible's still here. And um, it was incredible. I'll get you guys to set that up uh, for me. Look, the whole thing, uh, I have to say, was mind-blowing. There was so many mixed emotions. I'm going to turn in my Bible. I'll get you to go there with me in a minute. But the whole thing was confusing. Yet at the same time, God gave me such clear understanding. It was incredibly dirty. And we all know that I prayed a lot into that. But at the same time, there was such purity there in that place. I was so, so, so challenged in every core of me. Hello. That's much bigger than I anticipated in my mind. Let's just chuck it over here. Just walk. We'll go together. I'll do my thing. Hey, Sal Bell. Hey, this is cool. Let's go this way. No, let's go back. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. Keep going. That's good. Wow, that is huge. Thank you very much. Let's give him a hand. That was seamless. I don't know if you'll be able to see the screen anymore, but we'll work with it. You know, it's funny. It was incredibly heartbreaking. 
But at the same time, my heart had never been so full. Like we go to the community on the first day, that is Black Sands. And, and uh, what, what happened is Vanuatu is a tribal culture. And uh, Black Sands is a community that are filled with people that have either been kicked out of their tribe or are not associating with them anymore. So to be there and have never had an experience in third world conditions before in my life, I've seen it on TV, uh, read about it, I've discussed it, but never to have walked through a community where a house is, is, a, is a hut with no windows and no floors. And, you know, we take for granted paying council rates and the fact that they come and they pick up our rubbish and they take our rubbish away. It doesn't happen in those communities. They, they pile up the rubbish randomly throughout the neighbourhood and then eventually someone will burn it. They have communities and homes and then what, what's supposed to be clean facilities, there are animals, dogs that don't have owners that are, that are, that are going to the toilet and yet just up the road from it, uh, there's running water where people are attempting to, to wash. I walked through this community seeing the power of the church at work when one community that had a lot of children with, with, with infected uh, wounds and, and ulcers because of dirty water. Uh, the church in the network that we belong to, Victory, were able to provide one tap for nearly a 1,000 people, but yet because there's clean water, 95% plus of the children now have clean skin and they've been able to eradicate one toilet, one tap. So I walked through this community and I'm super uncomfortable and I'm trying not to let them know it because I want to respect who they are. I want to honour who they are. But yet I'm walking through and I'm being wounded and I'm heartbroken and I'm confused and I'm asking God why. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, why do you feel sorry for them? They don't feel sorry for themselves. They had community. They had love. They were safe. They now had running water. But yet I was so confused because of the context that I live in every day that, Lord, how can they be happy? But yet there's such joy and such freedom in that community. I was challenged deeply. I looked at the external. I kept looking at the external. On the Sunday morning, I don't know if you can bring up the slide of the church that I spoke in. So what happened is the community that is there, the, the Pastor Zebedee who danced with Reese is actually the national leader there. He is a great man of God. He's a leader of leaders. He has a church in Port Vila. It's not this building. The building that they have, I had talked to you guys about it. looks like a carport. It has a tarp for a roof. But because we were there on the Sunday, they had a combined service. There's about six churches that relate directly under Pastor Zebedee. And they had come together. So they had moved to a school hall. So when they told me at the start of the week they were moving to a school for, uh, hall, I thought about the context of Australia. I thought that there would be walls. I thought there would be a floor. When I arrived, once again, it was a building. 
with no walls. And in fact, the reality is they don't need walls. It helps with airflow for them. It keeps things cool. But as I was so focused on the outside, look at their huts. Look at the church. Look at what they persevere. God began to talk to me and said, it's not about the facade. It's not about what's happening on the outside. It's about what's happening on the inside. Because see, the Spirit of God was moving in that church. The worship that was flowing from their hearts, it absolutely blew my mind of their generosity when they took up an offering at the start of the service. Everybody in that room participated. But yet I was so worried about the facade, what's going on, that I forgot to see what God was actually doing within them. You see, the internal environment will always dictate to the external atmosphere. You know, in Luke chapter 6, verses 45, it reads this. It reads, As a good man brings the good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, from the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You see, the internal environment of your heart will dictate the external. You know, I started thinking about it as I was on the plane coming back and many things had happened on that trip that were significant, that were challenging, that were mind-blowing. But as I was coming back, I thought, why was I so concerned with the exterior? I thought about that in my personal world. You know, you can have your hands raised in this place and on the inside be thinking about lunch. You could have your hands raised in this place and still be upset with your spouse because of the argument you had on the way here. See, the facade is not what God is interested in. It's the internal environment. You can have an incredible building and have no life within it. We can walk around so concerned with what we need to be appearing like when I've realised that that has got nothing to do. God is just as interested in the families that are in black sands and what He's doing in their heart. Because see, in their midst, in their situation, they still carry joy. They still carry peace. They still carry excitement. They still carry hope for their future because it is God that has placed it within them, not the environment. A church without walls. And yet God moves. I want to turn to the book of Luke this morning, chapter 10, as I revisited something I studied earlier this year. See, what's happening in this scenario is there are teachers of the law. And once again, they're trying to stir up trouble for Jesus. So a teacher of the law comes to Jesus and he asks him a question. How do you inherit eternal life? What do you have to do to be a real disciple? What do you really have to do to honour God? Jesus says to him, well, what do you think? What does the word say if you're an expert in the law? He says, and what he does, he's smart because he repeats what Jesus has already said. He says, well, you've got to love the Lord your God with everything. Your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength with everything. And you've got to love your neighbour as yourself. 
Jesus says, that's the right answer. So he tries to make himself look good. And he says, well, who is my neighbour? When I look at that scene now, I look at it from a different lens, from the perspective. On the, in, on the outside, he knew what to say. The external facade was he knew what to say. He even knew what to do. But yet on the inside, he was already determining, who do I really need to love? Jesus goes on to tell the parable of the Good Samaritan, which we'll read together in a minute. And then at the end, Jesus brings it back around, asking the man to really answer his own question. And the answer is, the one that is really the disciple of Jesus is the one who loves. The one who from the internal environment of their heart loves genuinely and openly with a servant attitude and humility and strength and willing to pay the price and the cost. And Jesus says, go and do the same. So let's read. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up. This is Luke chapter 10, verses 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. <coughs> Excuse me. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by him on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place, he uh, saw him pass by as he travelled. Sorry, pass by on the other side of the road. Yeah, thanks, David. That'd be good. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him into the inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave it to them, to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have had. Which of these three do you think was the neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that your word would come alive in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. So when you look at this, what's the real point? The man is asking Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? Who do I need to love? I think the question that I have been challenged with and the answer that Jesus really gives is not, who do you love? The question is, are you loving? It's not, who is your neighbour? It's, are you a neighbour to begin with? 
You see, what was happening is in the context of this story, the three characters the Jews would have thought would have been the priest, a Levite, and then a standard Jewish person from the community. But yet what had happened is there was a Levite, there was a priest, and then there was somebody that they despised, somebody that they didn't want to love. It's incredible that the person that Jesus is saying is a true disciple, is somebody that outside of the context of where they are, they avoided them. They didn't want to be around them. But what makes you a disciple, what makes you a person that loves God is the fact that you love those around you. When I look at this and you think about the parallel, whenever I read things, I'm learning to go, where have I seen that before? It says in the Scripture, that a man was going down from Jerusalem. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. When I think about the context of a person that was stripped and was beaten, I instantly think of Jesus. But yet my response to that man that was beaten and stripped was that I love him is that because of him I've been set free because of the work on the cross. But when I think back to this context, I think, well, what do I do when I see people in my community that are hurting and that are broken and that have been abused? Because I realise this, that my response to Jesus on the cross, the evidence that I'm walking in His love, the evidence that I'm walking in relationship with Him is actually my response to those that God brings into my world that are beaten and broken and hurting. See, the whole context of this we have to think about is it's actually not about the facade. I know I'm to love my neighbour. The question Jesus is actually asking is, are you that neighbour? Are you that neighbour? You know, for me, it was absolutely challenged this morning. We showed a video of a pastor in Sri Lanka. I believe we would have mentioned that. This morning, if we haven't, we will right now. The pastor in Sri Lanka has had 28 people in his church die. 70 people are injured. And on this video, in his pain, in his anger, he says to the terrorists, to the people that they're associated with, we love you and we forgive you. Can we just quickly take a minute? Let's stand and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, right now, we pray for those families in Sri Lanka. Father, your word says that you're close to the brokenhearted. Lord, with the many, many hundreds of people that passed away on Resurrection Sunday, Oh God, we thank you. They now walk in victory. Lord, I pray that those that are left behind, you would comfort, you would strengthen, you would inspire. Thank you, Lord God, that in the midst of always attack on the church, Lord God, you always make a way. You always bring us into victory. And right now we just pray for those families and for people that are associated with those families. Provide for them in this time. Love them in this time and cover them in this time. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may take seats. 
It's always the people that you least expect that often God calls you to love. I drive, and whenever we pull something behind us, I always get intimidated being around trucks. They burn past you if you're going slow, they're loud, they get that, that gust of wind. And, and I love truck drivers now, but I used to tell you what, I used to be like, you know what, if there was never a truck on the road, I'd be happy. I'd be so happy. But what happened is one day we were on a journey and the plug that was going to the back of the car, there had been something wrong with the wiring and it kept setting off fuses. And it is the mid-morning, it's still dark, it's about four or five in the morning, it's pitch black and every time the fuse would trip, we'd have no lights. So I'm driving along a road and it's in the dark and the only reason we kept going is I needed to get to a place that was safe to pull over. It wasn't safe to be waiting on a two-lane highway where no one can see you and they're doing 100 k's an hour. We had to get to a place that was safe. So I get to a service station. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. <laughs> but I'm trying to lead my family. April's dad's a mechanic. I thank the Lord for him. I said, April, call your father. Now, while I'm there, I'm wandering around. I'm thinking, why do the lights keep going off? We keep putting in a fuse. They keep going off, not realising it, that it was the plug. There's a man who's filling up his truck with fuel. Some of you will know this story. I go over to that man that's filling up his truck. I'm frazzled. It's early in the morning. I don't say, hello, how are you? My name is Charles. I say to him, help me. I have children and a wife and it's dark and I'm scared. It's pretty much what I said. He looked over at me, probably feeling no pity. And then my kids, hello, truck driver. They were happy. He comes over, looks at my car, has the skill set and the ability to fix the problem and sends us on our way. What had happened is a guy that I didn't want to be around, a guy that I was like, I wish you were never on the road. Actually, I'm now endeared to them. I love truck drivers. I'm like, yay, they're like mobile mechanics. <laughs> but what had happened is that because of an act of love, it had endeared me to his cause. When I look at this scripture, I see that when the Good Samaritan stops, it says that he puts oil and wine on the wound. The wine representing in this terminology and what they would do is it's alcohol, a disinfecting to the wound and then the oil representing a soothing. You see, he came equipped. He was ready to love. When I think about oil in other contexts in the Bible, not so much this one, but when I think what is oil, where have I seen it before? It represents the Holy Spirit. And when I think about that, I think, well, we come equipped and ready to care because we carry the Holy Spirit. So when we go into situations, when we go into lives, we have come equipped to care because in 1 Corinthians, it talks about the fact that we, we can move in the gifts of the Spirit and gifts of healing, in words of knowledge, of knowledge. We can encourage, we can move in faith. What's happening is we have become, we have been given equipping by the Holy Spirit to love and to care. Right. See, this man, this Samaritan comes along and he sees 
the individual. I walk around our community all the time, but it took a trip to Vanuatu for me to really see what was going on. In our society, one of the biggest challenges is this. Are we too busy to stop? Are we too busy to move in the spirit which empowers us to be witnesses? See, in a society like Vanuatu, there's not a lot of full-time employment. These guys have time to stop and care. But my word is telling me and what the Bible is challenging me is this, is that as we continue to look at this scripture, it's the one that stopped, it's the one that saw, it's the one that was prepared, is the one that God is illustrating the picture that is the true disciple, is the follower of Jesus, is the one that will inherit eternal life. Are we too busy to serve? Are we too busy to care? It's a question I've asked myself. But it goes on and it says this, and I might get the band to come because I can see our time. Then he put the man on his own donkey. He humbled himself. Let's think about the context here. God is calling him to serve the one that despised him. How often do we see in life where the people that irritate us, we find hard to serve? Come on, let's be real. Let's do real church. Whether it's that person that you don't like the way they parent or maybe you don't like the way they speak to their wife or maybe you don't like the way that they serve or look after their family, whatever it is, we're not to judge. We're to love. And what I've realised is that being a true disciple of Christ, being the one that, that, that represents Him well, is that this Samaritan was serving one that if that person had been healthy, would have avoided him, would have argued with him, would have paid on him, it would have paid him out. But yet when this person was in need, all of that went out the window because God calls us to love and to love genuinely. If you can't love your neighbour... Are you a true disciple? Takes humility. When I think about our community, takes humility to serve here. You know, I love there are people that are incredibly high capacity individuals and they're serving our children. That's humility. This band gets here at the crack of dawn because they're trying to do their best to serve our community. There are people that around nine o'clock this morning were in there filling communion cups. Do we have communion here? We did at the other location, I'm just assuming. <laughs> but on a communion Sunday, that's what they're doing. Humility. He got down off his donkey and because he loved God and he was loving his neighbour, the one that despised him, he put onto a place. 
He got down off his donkey, humility. It then goes on to say, He brought him to an inn and took care of him. He journeyed with him. If we're going to love people, we need to journey with them. Here is a strong and will always be a culture of this church. You need to be inviting people to church, but you need to have enough room in your life to be able to journey with them. Proof that you are a disciple is that you are making one. See, not only did He remove Himself to a place of humility, He now journeyed with Him and cared for Him. And then it says this, the next day he got up, he took out two denarii, he paid the cost. He paid the price. Do you know, serving Jesus is gonna cost you. It's gonna cost you emotionally. It's gonna cost you time. It's gonna cost you money. But a disciple is willing to pay the price. So as I drove home from the airport, I was excited and challenged. Excited from the perspective, God wants to use us to take people that are in a broken place, journey with them and see them restored to God and His purpose through an encounter with Jesus Christ. So when it's not a facade, when the internals is, I'm gonna love my neighbour. That neighbour is who God is bringing you into community with that you need to love. With no strings attached, journey with them. Encourage them so that they can come from a place that is broken and without Christ to a place where they can encounter Christ, His plan. But this week as I've got home, I've honestly looked at my lifestyle at my life and often wonder it's very easy to have the facade of a follower in our community, in our nation, in our society. God is interested in what's going on on the inside. So when I looked at this gazebo, I wanted it to remind me that it's not about whether there's walls. It's not about what it looks like. It's about what's going on on the inside. God is interested in the atmosphere of your heart. Let's not be too busy to invite people to church. Let's not be so busy that the fact that we invite somebody And now we have to host them is almost too much effort. It's easy for me just to go and come home. That's not what we're called to do. If my children were in a place of hurt, or my nieces and nephews were in a place of hurt because of my relationship to their parents, because of my relationship to that, I wanna take them from that place protect them and see them move forward. God's children are out there in this community. They need love, they need hope and God wants to use you. We carry the Holy Spirit. So let's stand for a moment.
this was my challenge that hit me right between the eyes and right into my heart. There's three people in the story. There's a priest and a Levite. They knew how to do church well, but when it came to hurting people, they moved away. Because see, they wanted to do church, but they didn't want to do people. But we're the church. So how often do we do Christianity, but we don't want to get messy? I love spending time with Pastor John. No matter who comes in, he sells things on Grays Online. And then whoever comes in to pick up stuff, he always ends up praying for them. It's the best. And now he's starting to disciple some of the younger leaders here. They come with me, we're going to pray with this lady. They don't know it yet, but it ends up happening. I walk around the corner, there's trailer loads of stuff and then there's people being prayed for. Because Pastor John is not scared of the messy. Pastor John doesn't just do church. I don't want to be a priest. I don't want to be a Levite that does church but doesn't do people because we're worried about being unclean. We want to be the Good Samaritan. Because at the end of this, my Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go and do the same. So I would ask you this week to reevaluate as I have. How much of your world is about yourself? How much is it about honouring God and thinking beyond yourself? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. This is what I've walked through. This is what I'm being challenged with. But know this, that there's victory waiting for people and God wants to use you. There are hurting and broken and lost people that God is saying that I am going to use you to bring them out of that place that's hurting and broken. They've been beaten by society. They've been left half dead. But God is saying what I have put in you can bring them to a new place as you journey with them and they encounter Jesus. We live for Him. We live for Him. So can I pray this morning? Let's close our eyes. First thing I want to pray for just quickly. Don't know if there's anybody in this room today that you've heard me talk about the hope that we have in Jesus, but yet you sit here in this room and you're like, I don't know Jesus. In fact, I more relate to that person that is hurting, that is broken. There's something missing in my life. You know, I believe as a Christian that there will always be a missing void in your life. There'll always be something missing until you encounter Jesus Christ. But the moment that you encounter Jesus and His grace and His love, Something shifts. You move from a place that is broken. My Bible says that by His stripes you are healed. And what that's referring to is all the stuff that you've done wrong, all the the lifestyle that you had that has separated you from God, that when you encounter Jesus, He wipes all that away. So with every eye closed across this place, I want to ask everybody a question in here. And I want to know if there are people that maybe you have walked with God but walked away and want to come back to Him or there might be a person in this room and and you don't know what it is to be a Christian, to know Jesus, to be forgiven of of your sins and, and have that gap in your heart filled. If that's you, 
with every eye closed so no one's looking around, would you raise your hand and just wave at me? I'd love to pray with you this morning. Hallelujah. Could we all as a community raise our hands for a moment? We're going to take our seats again. But in this moment, Holy Spirit, please help us not to turn a blind eye to what's going on in the world, to what's going on in our society, to what's going on in our homes, to what's going on in the internal atmosphere of our heart. Father, help us to love you with all our heart all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, help us to love our neighbour as ourself. Father, let us be ready with our testimony, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit to be a neighbour to those that need it. We want to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you take your seats just for one moment. We do this once a month and, you know, we can finish with an upbeat song. This part is joyful. It's all joyful because we respond to the Holy Spirit. But let me explain to you just quickly about Black Sands. Um, this community had many, many things happen. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a low socioeconomic area for a third world country. They, they had a, a cyclone go through there. And the whole community was saved by the two buildings that the church built. Now there was disease all through it. The children were getting little cuts and then those little cuts would get infected and they would turn to deep sores. But what happened is because of the church, one tap, and one toilet, they've been able to almost eliminate those sores from the children of their community. But you know what that took? Missions giving from a society and a community that's been blessed financially by God. Now we're going to continue to go back to Vanuatu. We have uh, James and Rebecca Carney, a couple of uh, teachers from our community, my connect group uh, leaders. I go to their connect group. They're going to be going uh, later on in the year uh, to support the teachers. I spent some time in the classroom and, and there are teachers there that are great, but they need development. And isn't it great that we have a strength in our community? You see, because we believe that missions comes out of who you are here. That's right. And we have a great strength in our community and a desire in our community to develop young leaders. That's a strength of who we are. And we're sending some of our young and great leaders who are already equipped to influence that community, but it takes missions giving. So this morning... We're going to take up another missions offering that we do. Thank you for those that commit at our missions conference every year. But I want to encourage you, if you don't give regularly, to consider it. There's work to do. There's work to do. And we can be a part of it. But it starts with an internal choice. And then letting what's in your heart affect your actions. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for those that are going to give this morning. Thank you for those that have already given faithfully online. Lord, we thank you that we are a church that is missional focused. Lord God, we go into our community locally. 
Lord God, to see them encounter Jesus. Lord God, we, we want to influence our nation with things like Hope Tour and being a part of our movement. But Lord, we also know that You call us to have an international influence. We thank You for Scott in the UK, uh, Vince, Lord God, or, uh, who is in Milan, Italy, Lord God. We thank You uh, for the churches in Vanuatu. We thank You for, Lord, what we are doing overseas. Lord, I pray that You would use what we give faithfully, stretch it. Lord, it's incredible that one tap and one building has effectively saved a community. And yet every one of us has that available to us. We thank You that You let us be born and live in this country. And we honour You, Father, and we thank You for it. And Lord, we give back to You, not under compulsion, not because we feel guilty to do so because we've been blessed, but Lord, because we love You. And we're letting the love that's in our heart affect our actions. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. There are containers on the left-hand side. If you want to pass them along, I want to encourage you to give faithfully to our missions. What we're going to do right now is we're going to finish with a song. Why don't you stand once that container has gone past. Hey, looking forward to next week. Next week we have Pastor James Ayton with us. It's going to be exciting. Let, let me just explain to you some of the things God's been doing. You can stand, you can stand. He started the church two, maybe three years ago. Last Sunday, they had over a thousand adults in attendance. That is incredible. But what took us, it took a huge step of faith. He moved into a building and they renovated it. It was about a $400,000 renovation and they had no money to do so. We were a part of helping Pastor James and his team. We gave financially to it, but God has done a miracle. They've nearly paid off all of their debt already. It's been absolutely incredible. He's coming next week. I want to encourage you, call someone that's not here today. Invite someone. We're going to share the Gospel and we're going to believe that we're going to see people that are in a broken, hurting place be restored to God and His purpose. Amen. Why don't we sing?